Yo, what's really going on, y'all? This is your boy, A1 Hoops, tapping into your notification box yet again. Uh, hope you guys had a great Thanksgiving. And without further ado, let's go ahead and talk basketball. Now, I need to get some things off my chest about Anthony Davis. The Lakers, but mostly Anthony Davis, all right? Now, let's go ahead and get into it. Let me give you guys a brief history, just in case, you know, you've been under a rock, right? So... I'm old enough to remember 2019, you know, when Anthony Davis first got to L.A. And honestly, for the most part, during that season, you could argue, not me, definitely not me, but you could argue Anthony Davis outplayed LeBron James. He was outscoring him. He was definitely playing better defense, yada, 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 right? And it started to feel like, you know what? Maybe this is like the emergence of Anthony Davis, him playing alongside LeBron James, gathering up all that knowledge, right? He was entering, I think he was like 26 at the time. He was entering like his physical tip-top peak, his apex. We thought the world of Anthony Davis. He had a legitimate argument to be the very, very best defensive player in the NBA that season, right? And then we get to the playoff run. Now, before I go any further, no one cares about the bubble jokes, all right? It counts. Let's just get that out the way. The, The NBA recorded it. It counted. I don't care if I'm a Twitter user. Oh, it's the bubble, so it doesn't matter at all. Don't really care. The A Disney joke was never that funny. Maybe the first 200 times it was, but for the most part, it wasn't. Okay? But, like I was saying, I digress. Anthony Davis had a spectacular 2019-2020 season. Probably a top five player in the NBA at that time, right? We get to the playoffs. He further validates what we had been originally thinking, which was, is he a top five player in the NBA? Well, if we go based on that playoff run, given what he actually, how he actually performed, I mean, the buzzer beater against the Denver Nuggets, the spectacular, utter dominant show he put on against the Houston Rockets, and then we get to the NBA Finals, played some great defense on Jimmy Butler, took the load off LeBron, um, averaged like 25 and 11 in that NBA Finals, played amazing, right? And where did that leave us? Not me, right? Make sure I put that out there. But a lot of NBA fans were saying, you know what? Anthony Davis is like a top five power forward ever now. He's better than Charles Barkley. He's better than Carl Malone. Some people were saying he's better than Dirk, KG. They were basically saying, and yes, there are people who are saying this. So if you're listening to this, don't act like it wasn't you if it was you. They were saying the only reason why he's not above Tim Duncan is just because of like the longevity and the resume. That was the only thing that they were saying held him back from being better than Tim Duncan, right? At that time. Which was complete ludicrous. But to them, it didn't seem that way. And I guess they weren't entirely like wrong to feel that way. Only because it did seem like, okay, this is like the Anthony Davis we're going to continue to get. And had we continued to have gotten that Anthony Davis, they might have been on to something. But, but that's not what happened though, right? So, we followed it up with the 2019 season, right? And for one, yeah, he was very injury-riddled. But even in the games that he played in, it wasn't the 2019-2020 Anthony Davis. It wasn't the AD we was looking for, right? We get to the playoffs. He had, like, one good game against Phoenix, and then the rest were kind of mid, and then he got hurt and didn't play. Uh, I think he got hurt after, like, the jump ball and then, like, went back or something like that. I literally can't remember, but I just know he definitely missed, I think, like two or three of those games against Phoenix in the first round. The Lakers went home in the first round. 
And I think a lot of us squashed it. We're like, oh, you know what? He was hurt. You know what I mean? Boom. We're now in the 2020-2021 season. And as far as I'm aware, there's no real serious injuries to Anthony Davis. Except maybe to his mental. This is not. (laughs) The only real injury I'm seeing is to his jump shot. I'm going to be honest with y'all. Now, I'm pretty sure you guys have been hammered in the head with the statistics for Anthony Davis this season. But in case you aren't, I'm going to give it to you one more game. All right? Buckle up because it's not pretty. Anthony Davis this season is shooting 16% from three. Right? Around like 16, 17% from three. Ladies and gentlemen, out of players in NBA history that have attempted at least two threes per game, that's dead last. Nobody shot this bad. We used to say one of the things that made Anthony Davis better than Giannis was the fact that Anthony Davis could shoot. That sounds real funny right now, though, because Giannis is definitely the better shooter than AD is right now. But what do we know? We we didn't know back then, right? Um, He's shooting 73% from the free throw line, which isn't that great. It's pretty okay, I guess. He's averaging 10 rebounds per game, which let me go ahead and do some little some tracking right here. Boop, boop, boop. In that in that first season, in that season right before he came to LA, he was averaging 12. Now he's only averaging 10. So he dropped off a little bit from like you know when he was about to enter his peak. He's averaging 24 points per game. That's two points fewer than his first season with LA. The efficiency definitely isn't there. He's went down his effective field goal percentage. Went down in his two-point percentage. Went down drastically in his three-point percentage. His free, his field goal percentage is about the same, but nobody uses field goal percentage. That's, that's not like a great telling stat. Um, in his first season with L.A., he had a 61% true shooting percentage, which is actually pretty good. Now it's 56. So it was dropped. He's dropped off in a lot of categories. And a lot of it, I guess you can contribute to, you know, Russell Westbrook, Dwight Howard, uh, DeAndre Jordan all being there grabbing his boards, stuff like that. But, um... When you're watching Anthony Davis, and this is what really solidifies it, he's not aggressive. Anthony Davis used to be in the conversation for one of the very best defenders in the league, and he isn't that anymore. It's very apparent that Draymond Green, Rudy Gobert, even Giannis are just clear of Anthony Davis as defenders. When we didn't feel that way back in the 2019-2020 season, this is not the AD we need. He's not... And he's not even old. Like, he's only 28 years old. This is not the AD we wanted. Usually, players at 26, and then, like, they get to, like, turn 28 and, like, 29, they usually get better in that time period. Like, oh, I'm already, I just entered my peak. I'm 26 now. Oh, I just turned 27. I'm going to get a little better. I just turned 28. I'm going to get a little better. 29, I'm even a little bit better. But we've gotten a slight, we've gotten a worse Anthony Davis. And it's not even just that he's necessarily worse. It's the consistency. He hasn't been that dog. There's, there was one game, and this game crystallizes what I mean. There was one game that uh, the Lakers played, I think, maybe a week ago, two weeks ago, against Chicago. All right? In the first quarter, at one point, every single player on the Bulls team that was like on the court was 6'7 or shorter. Anthony Davis was still on the court in that time period. Anthony Davis finished that quarter scoreless and only took two shots. And he was being defended by midgets. So that's what I'm saying as far as the Anthony, my issue with Anthony Davis. My issue is it seems like ever since he's won the championship, it's like, oh, I'm good. 
Oh, that's I just that's all I needed. <laughs> and you know what? You know what's ironic about that? Shaq said something similar. He felt like after he won his first championship, he was good. But then people kept challenging him, saying, "Oh, but can you do it again?" And that's what drove Shaq crazy. Well, we need Anthony Davis to do that same thing because he's playing like he's already like, oh, I'm good, set for life. Okay? One game, we'll get an Anthony Davis that does exactly what we need him to do. Plays great defense, great energy, scoring buckets, stuff like that, right? And then the next game, we get AD to shoot way too many jump shots, straight up brick, and he's just playing inconsistent. And some people like to blame, blame Frank Vogel. And yes, he does play a part in this. But Frank Vogel is not suiting up. So Frank Vogel not out there hooping. I haven't seen Frank Vogel take a jump shot yet unless I missed it. So it's AD fault. AD is supposed to be one of the very best basketball players in the world. Is he even top 15 right now? Is he a top 15 player in the league right now? Based on performance. I don't care about his name. Based on performance, is AD a top 15 player right now? Nah, he's not. Okay, he isn't. We need to... This is what... And my whole point of, my whole point of bringing all this up is for this. Anthony Davis needs to get it together because this is not the Anthony Davis we need It's fans. I'm not even a Lakers fan, but as fans of the game of basketball, we need more effort. We need consistent. I'm bigger than everybody down here. I'm a dog. I'm not going to be shooting all these jumpers. I'm going to just abuse y'all down low. And it's not even like this is the NBA where we have a bunch of big physical giants. Okay. I get it. AD's slim on the slimmer side, but so are many of his opponents. Jokic is like, I mean, Jokic is not like slim, but you could dominate Jokic down low. You could dominate a, a Enos Cantor. You could dominate a Alf Horford or any of these bays that are not Rudy Gobert, really, or Joel Embiid or Miles Turner. <laughs> I mean, you're way bigger than Bam. You should be able to bully him. Feel what I'm saying? But we that's that's pretty much all I have for the whole Anthony Davis thing. We just need more, we need more consistent effort. We need that among one of the best defenders in the league. We need that. One of the top five players in the league, Anthony Davis. And we haven't had that since 2020. Boom. Now, first up, we're going to be talking about LeBron James and the Isaiah Stewart situation that happened a few days ago. Uh, if you guys haven't seen, pretty sure you guys have by now. I mean, it's been almost a damn week. <laughs> but uh, basically, there was a tussle. There was an altercation. Um, the Lakers had the ball. They went up for a shot. Uh, LeBron and Isaiah Stewart were both pretty much interlocked and near the, underneath the basket for the rebound. And long story short, LeBron inadvertently, and I'm put quotes on that, smacked the hell out of Isaiah Stewart. Right, like he basically backhanded him right in the face. Right now, at first, it kind of, I mean, LeBron tried to play it off as not intentional. You know, you know, are you all right? This and that. And then Isaiah Stewart was kind of like calm at first. But then out of nowhere, Isaiah Stewart started bleeding, like, very, very, very badly. And I don't know what it is about, you know, the blood situation, but out of nowhere, this man just lost his absolute mind. And he literally started charging through people, charging through his teammates, the coaching staffs, and nothing ended up happening as far as, like, a fight is concerned. Um, perhaps it would have if there weren't people blocking him off and whatnot. But at the end of the day, it ended up being both players getting suspended. LeBron got suspended for one game. Isaiah Stewart got suspended for two games. Now, my thoughts. This used to be like normalcy. Like back in the day, back in the 80s, 90s, stuff like that. And not to sound like an old head because I'm not one. And, but um, th this happened, this used to happen pretty frequently. So this is, this is not anything new to like any longtime NBA fans. But as far as the suspensions are concerned, and a lot of people have different feelings about that. At the end of the day, this is LeBron's fault. 
<laughs> I'm, I'm gonna keep it a stack. The whole altercation was LeBron's fault. Let's just be real. If he didn't smack Isaiah Stewart, uh, none of this would have happened. <laughs> I mean, I know that sounds super obvious, but uh, the, the, the where I'm going with this is the fact that LeBron got a less severe uh, punishment. He got a less severe punishment than Isaiah Stewart, even though technically, all right, being, let's, let's be real technical here. Isaiah Stewart didn't actually do anything. <laughs> he didn't really do anything. Uh, he, he, yeah, he he charged past a few of his teammates. Some of them fell down in the action. Yeah, it was violent. Don't get me wrong. I believe Isaiah Stewart should have also gotten suspended. I just don't understand the logic behind giving Isaiah Stewart more time than LeBron when LeBron is the reason why this happened. And LeBron tried to apologize to him after the game, apparently. Uh, Streets is saying that he reached out to him. Um, But at the end of the day, I'm not sure what LeBron was thinking when he did this. I don't know if he was trying to send a statement to the young blood that, you know, this is a man's league or whatever, which if that's the case, doesn't make any real sense. Um, LeBron's apology, like, in the media wasn't even all that great either. It kind of seemed like, I don't know, it's just, you know, it's just not a good look for LeBron at all. Uh, I feel like the suspension punishment should have been reversed. I feel like LeBron should have got two days, and I feel like Isaiah Stewart should have got it one day. So that's pretty much, you know, I mean, that's pretty much it as far as the whole LeBron versus Isaiah Stewart situation is concerned. They ended up playing again, like, a few days later, and the Lakers actually beat them by three points, (laughs) despite LeBron, AD, and Russ all having, like, great games. Um, But we're going to talk about the Lakers a little bit later. And let's go ahead and just transition into Steph Curry because we really can't get enough of this, man. As far as the whole Steph Curry uh, bonanza or whatever you want to call it is concerned, at the end of the day, he's the best basketball player on the planet right now. And I'm not even really sure if there's an actual debate to be had. Some people might say Kevin Durant. Some people might say Jokic. For me, it's clear. It's Steph. Um, There's really nothing really to debate about. And the, the crazy thing about Steph Curry is that he's been doing it since 2016. I think a lot of us forgot how great Steph was. Um, And hear me out. When KD got there, I feel like we almost forgot how great Steph was because he was so willing to take a back seat to, you know, to to accommodate Kevin Durant. And that back seat was just, oh, yeah, I'm going to get my 26 points per game. I'm going to get my 26. You know what I mean? And that was him taking a back seat so that way KD can get his 27. And I feel like... Yeah, he was still playing great. That was the season right after he averaged 30 points per game, right? Now, the first full season that Steph played post-Kevin Durant was last season, where he averaged 32 points per game. This year, he's having another sensational season, where he's averaging about 29.5 points per game, to be exact. This is the Steph that we almost forgot about. This is the Steph that made him a unanimous MVP. This this is the Steph that was considered the best basketball player in the world back in 2016. Now, obviously, since he didn't get the job done in that NBA Finals, I mean, it's easy to say LeBron was a better player because of that, which I agree. Um, it doesn't mean a thing without the ring. And LeBron went ahead and beat Steph, came back down 3-1. Yeah, you can bring up the stipulations of, oh, uh, Steph was hurt, this and that, uh, the suspensions. But at the end of the day, he got the job done. But that's not what this is about. This is about Steph Curry right now. And I've seen a lot of this on Twitter. It's almost as if Steph is getting better with age. And 
I just can you imagine what we would have seen from Steph had KD never went there? Like we would have seen a few more thirty point per game seasons. We definitely easily would have seen another MVP caliber season, probably 2019, 2018. Um, but he was so willing to take a back seat, and that's something that not a, not many players can do. How many players do you know that are so willing to be the first option or the second option just as easily? You know, we saw we saw that from Kobe early in his career. He was playing sort of a a Robin role, you know, to to Shaq. But I would argue that was more of a Batman 1A, 1B type situation. But the point is, he was the B for like most of that run, most of their time together. But even he had an issue with it because by 2003, he was like, you know what? I want my own team. And that's when they started having that fallout. But Steph didn't have like that issue. Steph didn't have an issue with playing, you know, the, the second role to Kevin Durant, letting him shine in the NBA Finals, particularly in that 2017 NBA Finals. Um, what other players are like that cool? I mean, you could probably say Dwayne Wade. I mean, Dwayne Wade was fresh off averaging 30 points per game when, and then LeBron showed up Then the 29 in the 2009 season, I believe Dwayne Wade led the league in scoring. He was a 30 point per game scorer. And then just two years later, LeBron showed up and Wade was like, you know what? Boom, your team. So I guess Wade in that sense is similar to Steph Curry because both of them are so willing to be either role. We don't see that very often. Do you think Michael Jordan could have been cool being taking a backseat. Do you think uh, who else? Who else? Uh, Kobe after Shaq would have been cool with taking a backseat. No. Do you think Shaq in his peak would have been cool with just being the second fiddle? No. So I, honestly, I think you know, even though yes, we were kind of robbed of seeing Steph, you know, putting up these thirty point per game seasons more regularly because he decided to play with KD. I think it also speaks to his greatness as well. It shows that he was able to take a backseat, and that's something that not a lot of players are able to do. And it kind of adds an element of, I don't know what you would even call that, but I guess versatility. Um, you, you're getting a, like, when you draft a player like Steph Curry, like, let's say you draft Steph Curry, you have a player that can be your franchise player, or he can take a backseat. And, I mean, as we just established, that's something that, not many players can do in NBA history. So yeah, Steph this season, he's been phenomenal. And there was a podcast recently with Draymond Green and uh, J.J. Redick. And one of the things J.J. Redick said was, um, you know, all these three-point shooters coming up now, they're shooting like as many threes as Steph is. You know, Trey, Dame, um, Donovan Mitchell. Like just players that are just shooting so many threes. And it's like, and he said, oh, one day, uh, due to volume, that Steph might not even be a top ten in terms of like three pointers made all time, and I'm not—he didn't say this verbatim, but he almost said it as if like someone's going to be a better shooter all time than Steph Curry. And I'm—I got, got to be honest with you, it's not the volume. Part of the reason why Steph Curry is the best shooter ever is the volume. Don't get—don't get it twisted. I mean, he's—he's he's attempting like twelve threes a game as we speak. I mean, just in, in the middle of the 90s, that would have led the league in terms of, like, teams. Like, teams weren't even attempting that many threes. So if you would have dropped Steph right now into the middle of the 90s, he'd be attempting more threes per game than most teams were. But it's not a volume thing with Steph. It's the way he's shooting the basketball. Last season, he was shooting almost 40. He was shooting 40% from near the logo. Ladies and gentlemen, last season, the league average for regular three-point shots was like 36. He was shooting better from half court than regular people are at shooting regular threes. What are we talking about here? There's never going to be somebody that shoots better than Steph because nobody can do it like he can. 
Nobody can pull up from deep with that type of consistency. I don't want to hear about Dame. I don't want to hear about Trey. I don't. Nobody's, nobody can say they're that good at every single facet of shooting the basketball. Catch and shoot. Moving off a screen. Off the dribble. From the logo. You name it. He's literally shooting. You know, He's elite at shooting at every kind of way you can imagine. When you look at someone like a Kyle Korver. Catch and shoot. Clay Thompson, yeah, off a screen, catch and shoot, you know, the corner maybe. Uh, Ray Allen, uh, early in his career, yeah, a little bit off the dribble, but for the most part, catch and shoot, corner specialist. I mean, 2013, come on. But Steph is literally elite at every single aspect of shooting the basketball, creating for himself, off the dribble, off screens, the corner, catch and shoot from the logo, dribbling up, just simply dribbling up the court and just pulling up transition threes you name it Steph is literally elite at it so when someone tells me look hey one day someone's going to be able to have more three-pointers made in Steph I don't really care about that because they're not going to be able to say that they can do it at every single aspect or part of shooting at the level that Steph can do it at because nobody can so when it's all said and done and the, re- and the reason why I'm bringing all this up is to bring this up as it currently sits, I have Steph around 12th, 13th all time. I have him and Kevin Durant very neck and neck, interchangeable. I'm not really sure who I think is better all time, right? He can, I honestly feel like Steph can end up a top 10 player of all time. I have Larry Bird right now at, at number 10, and this is no disrespect to Larry Bird. I feel like people think, like, I hate Bird all of a sudden. I, Bird is one of my favorite players. But Steph can honestly pass Larry Bird up. I honestly believe that. By the time he's done, he's definitely ahead of Steph all time. Some people already have him there. I'm not sure if I'm going to go that far. But I honestly think when Steph says I'm done, boom, retired, he's going to be top 10. And the reason why I say that is because Steph's game ages so well, it's ridiculous. His game is predicated on finesse. It's predicated on conditioning, off-ball movement, shooting the basketball. There's not, there's not a lot of explosiveness to Steph. Not to say that he isn't quick. He's not overly quick. He's not somebody who's athletic. He's not, like, super strong or anything like that. His game is going to age very gracefully because he, at the end of the day, he is a shooter. But he's just the epitome of that particular facet of the game of basketball, if that makes sense. Um, <laughs> he's just, uh, I mean, when he's 37... I mean, what do you, you, I mean, hopefully if you're listening to this, you get where I'm going. But like when Steph is 37, he's still going to be what? The best shooter in the league. He's still going to be what? Like maybe like a Kyle Korver, but like the best version of that. Like he's probably not going to be able to move around screens and dance on people as well as he is right now. But he's still going to be an elite catch and shoot guy. He's still going to provide a lot of spacing, a lot of value to any team. I mean, the league is trending towards just more three pointers anyway, for the most part. I mean, I feel like this year the mid range is getting a lot of love, which I like. But for the most part, the three is like the three balls emphasized in today's game, for the majority. So Steph is always going to be able to have a job. He can legitimately keep doing this until he's like forty, and by the time he retires, Steph is probably going to have close to five thousand three pointers made. I mean, he's already at what twenty nine. He's he's about to hit three thousand. He's about to pass Ray Allen. I mean, I <laughs> this is just ridiculous, and it's far less time than it took. Uh, Ray Allen to do it, but he, but another. I just want to go back to one more thing. No matter where, like in 10, 20, 30, 40, 50 years from now, 
even if people pass Steph in terms of three-pointers made, that doesn't mean they're the better shooter. That doesn't mean that they're, they surpassed Steph as a shooter all time. Steph is still going to be very clear of them. And that's pretty much all I have as far as the whole Steph, you know, rant that everybody's been going on. Now, speaking of Steph, let's go ahead and talk about the Warriors and them. And by and them, I mean the rest of the people on the team. <laughs> now, let's just be real. I know this is kind of like an early thing to talk about because we are only 20 games into the season. But I'm going to keep it real with y'all. And that's the only thing I ever do on here. But to keep it real with y'all, I think the Warriors are the best team in the NBA. Hear me out. For one, they have Steph. For one, they have the best record in the league. Now, I know that doesn't always translate, obviously. See, 2016, for example. But, I mean, I think it's safe to use it here, especially considering the fact that they don't even have Klay Thompson. They have a pending Klay Thompson. They have a pending James Wiseman. And they're the second best offensive team in the NBA. And they're the absolute best defensive team in the NBA. And in, in addition to that, they have the best net rating in the league with 13.6. That 13.6 is like a pretty sizable margin over second place, with, which is the Utah Jazz at nine. Um, what more is there to talk about here? Steph Curry, the best basketball player in the world. A solid team around him. It's not like it's just Steph this year. Like, last year, it was kind of like, oh, Steph. Uh. But, like, Damian Lee stood up, has stepped up. Jordan Poole. Uh, you got Andrew Wiggins, who's really filling in that role as being, like, an ISO scorer. He's also improving on a defensive end as well. Um, you have Draymond Green, who's, what, the second-best defender in the NBA behind just Rudy Gobert. I mean, I don't think that's a hot take. You have Steve Kerr, who has proven that he's actually a good coach. A lot of people, uh, notoriously, Navar Ball. Or saying how oh it must, it's easy to coach uh, uh when you got this this guy this dude and this dude nah Steve Kerr is legitimately a great coach he's legit like he actually is good at his job what he does I mean he puts his players in positions to succeed and that's exactly what you need from a coach and he does that very well his defensive schemes are elite but I gotta be honest who in the West is supposed to beat the Warriors I want y'all to really think about that. It might have been, might have been the Clippers, but Kawhi's not there. He might come back in like March or whatever. But for one, even if he is to come back in March, I mean, to get reinitiated into the team, the flow, uh, everybody has to get used to him again, adjusting to playing with Kawhi again. Um, Paul George has to take a step back and, you know, welcome in Kawhi. Those type of things aren't really ideal for a team in the middle of a season, especially not near the end. All right. And two, Kawhi just never comes back when he's scheduled to come back from injury. Are y'all serious right now? We don't, we still don't know what happened in 2017, the 2017-2018 season. Man had a man had a bruise and he was going to hold he played 5 games that year. All right. So stop acting like y'all don't know what it is with Kawhi. But the Clippers might have been their threat. They're not. Because with or without Kawhi, it's not going down. I already done went off about the Lakers. Well, mostly Anthony Davis, but we can talk about the Lakers as well. Russell Westbrook, I don't care about his stats. His decision-making is poor. His turnovers are a problem. Frank Vogel really doesn't know how to coach anymore. I think he's honestly on a hot seat. Um, and I'm not just saying that. Honestly, I feel like Frank Vogel is a very flawed coach. Um, LeBron's going to miss another two weeks with an abdominal strain. So apparently, Father Time is coming in faster than we thought. Um, 
So, I mean, who's left? The Nuggets, who just lost MPJ for the rest of the season. Um, he has um, a real severe issue with his back. Um, he's he has like some nerve damage or something. Uh, he just went under. He he's undergoing surgery. He's gonna miss the rest of the year. Nikola Jokic by himself not beating the Warriors. Sorry, I don't, I don't know who if you're like a Nuggets fan or something, but <laughs> I mean it is what it is. Uh, and then Phoenix or Utah, it's not happening. <laughs> I'm sorry. It's not happening. The Warriors are favorites coming out of the West for sure. The only real threat they might have is in the East. And I don't see Kyrie Irving coming back anytime soon. I think, and that's no, you know, I'm not here to attack Kyrie. Do what you want. You're a grown man. You're free to, you know, to be an anti-vaxxer or pro-vaxxer. I'm not saying I am or aren't. I mean, I'm not saying I am a pro-vaxxer or anti-vaxxer. I'm just saying I'm, I'm speaking on the side of doing what you want. And Kyrie Irving is doing what he wants. Um, James Harden, he played spectacularly tonight against New York. Put up 34 points. Um, even especially in that first quarter, he came out with a double-digit first quarter. Hit two step-back threes back-to-back. That's the James Harden we need. But he's been somewhat inconsistent. I mean, next game, he might have 10 points and 14 assists. So you never really know. Um I don't think that team is built to beat the Warriors in the NBA Finals in the best of seven series. They couldn't even do it when they faced them not too long ago. I know it's a regular season game and all, but we still have to at least take some credibility from that. Um, Miami, maybe. Okay. Miami might be a threat. I know I'm a Miami Heat fan and all. Jimmy Butler's playing. When when he does play, I mean, he's playing like an MVP caliber. Um Tyler Hero has definitely taken that huge leap forward that we needed him to. Last season, I was I was of the mindset that he needed to get up out of there. I was ready to straight up give up on him. He definitely what if, if if there was any validity to saying that the bubble was a fraud, Tyler Hero was a living a living embodiment of that because he was horrible last year, but he's turned it around. I guess now that he has a son, um, he feels like boom. You know what? I got a family to feed. Got a family to feed, and they depended on him. They depended on him for real. Hope you got that reference, but uh, <laughs> but um, the Miami Heat are clicking on all cylinders for the most part. They can definitely challenge the Golden State Warriors, maybe the Bucks. But my main point is this: the Warriors are the favorites. Why? Because they're definitely coming out of the West. And another reason why I feel like they're the title favorites is because I don't even know who's gonna come out of the East. I can't even decide who's gonna come out of the East to even be able to tell you if they can beat the Warriors or not. So, like I said. And like I didn't even really talk about the Clay Thompson factor, because if y'all think Steph is shooting right now, if y'all think he's amazing right now, can y'all imagine when Clay come back and now the defense can't key in on Steph? Now he has even more spacing to work with. Y'all are bugged right now. <laughs> when Clay gets back and the court opens up even more than it is right now for the Golden State Warriors. Even if even if Clay is only like eighty percent of himself, eighty percent of Clay is still a better shooter than like ninety nine percent of people who ever lived. All right, that's not hyperbole. That's facts. If Clay come back and he like a thirty nine percent shooter, thirty eight percent shooter from three, <laughs> the threat just just the namesake of of Clay Thompson will still drive defenders away from Steph Curry to the point to where if you felt like Steph was already shooting like shooting lights out. It's a wrap. Scary hours for real. Um, but with that all being said, I got the Warriors being the favorites. 
Um, and that's pretty much all I have for y'all today. That was the podcast episode. This is an every Wednesday or every week type of thing, but usually Wednesday. I know today's Tuesday. But, um, yeah, uh, stay blessed. Follow me on YouTube uh, at A1Hoops. Subscribe to the channel. Follow me on Twitter at A1Hoops, Instagram A1Hoops. Twitter is the best place to follow me because that's where I'm the most active. Now, with that being said, God bless. Amen. Have a good, I don't know why I say amen, but have a good one.